Welcome to the Dex Guru Talk Show. Dex Guru is your DeFi trading terminal. Charting, on-chain analysis, trading, the most effective for the routing with Zero X API. At Dex Guru Talk Show, we talk about people and projects in DeFi, Web3 and crypto. My name is Roman and I am the host. We are conducting a series of interviews with people who build the future of decentralized finance. We are all human beings. At least, at least we'd like to think so. We believe that people follow people when they make trading and investing decisions. Therefore, we focus on the person, not current news. And today we want to focus on our incredible guest, Benjamin, core team member at Chidao. Without further ado, let's begin. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. It's exciting to have you here. For starters, I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself to the listeners and give a bit of a background about yourself. Awesome. Hey, everyone. My name is Ben. Uh, here with the Chidao account. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the core team members at Chidao. Um, and yeah, I think that's, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into the, the more specifics later. Awesome. Our listeners would love to hear a bit of how you got into DeFi initially. What attracted you to this industry? Yeah, I've been in crypto for a bit now. Um, I initially got in because my brother started building some projects and, you know, he was like, if, if you're doing anything, you should be doing crypto because, uh, you know, the, the reward for your time is pretty high and also it's a pretty cool space. And, you know, we started working on some side projects with some infrastructure, uh, companies, um, early on. And I just fell in love with the space. People are really nice. Um, you know, the collaborative space is just incredible. Uh, I come from a traditional finance background, uh, M&A, and so um, just like a completely different kind of um, dynamics here where you can just reach out to anybody, any company, and people are always willing to work together. Why do you think is it uh, everyone who came from traditional finance uh, say that uh, traditional finance are very competitive and uh Decentralized finance are very collaborative. Why do you think it's the case? Yeah, I mean, I feel like a huge difference is that in traditional finance, people kind of make their own networks, right? Like if you have like JP Morgan, if you have like Citibank, they have like their completely separate kind of ecosystems for their clients. Whereas in DeFi today, like everybody's kind of on the same networks, right? I mean, even if you're like on a different blockchain, you're, you're still kind of connected. And so it makes sense to work with other people because then you can start like cross-pollinating users, um, liquidity as well, right? It, it just improves your, your protocol to work with other people. What was your aha moment in trying to defy from traditional finance? What was uh, the point of no return? Oh man, that's, uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I think um, it was early on when we, we started working on our first project and we started getting a bunch of users. I think it was just a realization that we can actually build something um, of value that, you know, really got me excited. Uh, and after that, I just, you know, once you drink the Kool-Aid, it's hard to go back. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, some technical this on my side probably. What was the fire like when you started compared to now? What changed in sentiment? Oh man, DeFi was unusable <laughs> when I first got in. Like I don't think it was even like a thing. Um like there was very little things you could do. Like I guess there was like MakerDAO, uh stuff like that, but 
I mean, nowadays it's just so much easier. You have a lot of tools, like, you know, DexScore is a really good tool that I use, uh, DBank. Um, you know, there's like a bunch of different wallets now. There's a bunch of YouTube videos on how to use different things. You're starting to see like normies come in as well. Um, it's just like a whole different world. I feel like before I, I often thought, okay, maybe it's just us. Maybe we're kind of crazy. But now it's like everyone's using it. Um, and it's undeniable that like it's going to be the future of finance. We're all going to make it. Yeah, hopefully. Explain me like I'm five or maybe ten. Uh, your product at a high level. What is it and uh, what product does? Yeah, uh, I guess to put it very simply, um, our product is just a way of accessing liquidity um, out of illiquid assets or assets that you don't want to get rid of, right? So, I mean, traditionally in, in, in regular finance, if you have a bunch of stocks or if you have a lot of like very valuable assets that you don't want to sell, but you want to access liquidity, you can go to the bank and ask for a loan against those assets. The issue is they'll charge you a, a lot, a lot in interest, like like insane amounts. Uh, we basically do that in crypto. Like you can take BTC, you can take your investments in Yearn, uh, your investments in like QuickSwap, stuff like that, and you can get loans against the value of those assets. But we don't charge any interest, right? Because it's it's your money that you're you're printing, so it doesn't really make sense to be charging interest for it. Who uses your product and why? Um, I'd say the people that use our product, um, I mean, you have a, a wide range of people, right? So in general, it's people that don't want to sell their assets, people that like believe long term in whatever they're doing, uh, and they, but they need the liquidity. Um, you also have a lot of people that are levering interest-bearing assets, right? Very famously, like Yearnvold Dai, people love levering that uh, on Chidao. Um, and in terms of like demographics, you know, you have like some big investment groups that have come in um, and use us to manage their portfolios, right? Um, but then we have a lot of retail, especially on, on Polygon or Phantom, right? Because the fees are so low that now anybody can come in and test out a bunch of protocols with like, what, $10, $20. And so we're starting to see a lot of those people come in uh, and use our platform. What is the product backstory? How did you come up with the idea? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reading. Uh, like I said, all of us kind of have been in crypto for a while and, uh, we saw what was happening in Polygon and we knew, you know, cross chain is going to like blow up pretty soon. Um, you know, what is something that everyone's going to need? Now, of course, everyone's going to need a DEX, but everyone's going to be making like a Uni V2 fork on every, on every chain. So that didn't really make sense to, to go for that. Uh, and so we thought stable coins, right? Stable coins and lending are two things that every single chain needs in order to have a good DeFi ecosystem. Um, and we read a lot, like, Chida is not a fork of anything. It's all, like, code written from scratch. Um, but we borrowed a lot of ideas from many projects, like, you know, Liquidy, like MakerDAO, um, even Curve. We looked at a lot of things that they do, particularly, like, in governance, uh, the bribing mechanism, stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's kind of how it, it came about. Can you elaborate more about your stable code, please? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like DAI, if you guys have ever used MakerDAO. Um, just borrowing against your assets um, is pretty cross-chain. Like, I think we're the most cross-chain asset, like, by far. We're in 17, 18 chains right now, um, which is great. And it's all fungible, right? Like, you're not going to get, like, 
wormhole version 5 from Ethereum, my, right? It's all the same my. Like the my that you have on Solana is exactly the same as the one you have on Aurora and one as Polygon. And I think that's pretty cool because um, you can have your assets in Polygon, borrow against them, and then kind of go to any chain and buy all these tokens and do your farming without actually losing exposure to the to the bags that you're holding on your like, home chain. Sounds impressive. How did you validate your idea at first steps? Um, I think it's just the users, right? Um, when we first launched, Polygon was about to like really come up, and we were able to benefit from from that surge of users. Uh, so it's pretty quick. Like within the first week, we knew we had like kind of struck gold, if you will, because uh, everybody was just pouring in and um, kind of uh, using our platform. And then from there on, like any changes we've made has been because the community asked for them. And in that way, we've been able to maintain some sort of like product market fit. Great. Uh, did you get any funding? Uh... No, we didn't raise at all. Like uh, we actually, I mean, we put 10% for the team and then 90%, close to 90, like 88% we gave to uh, the community. And that's just through like liquidity mining, bounty, stuff like that. But no, we didn't really do anything like a seed round or like a series A, anything like that. Awesome. What uh, what went into building the product? How long did it take from start to release on mainnet? It was a couple of months of reading, just reading about different projects, uh, thinking about the tokenomics very well. How are we going to maintain the peg? What can we take out of like old versions that we didn't like? Um, and then... Uh, like the actual coding, I think it was just like a month, maybe a month and a half, um, of just grinding, uh, the audit and all that. Sounds pretty fast. Even one month is a long period in fast-paced crypto space. How has the crypto landscape evolved while you were building? And uh, does it affect what decision you have made on scope or features? Yeah, crypto has changed completely. Like when we first started, like we wanted to be cross chain, but like there were no bridges. There were not that many chains too. Um and like the infrastructure on other chains was like pretty poor. Uh, now it's like a completely different world. Like look at like uh Polygon, they have Univ3 already, they have Aave, they have like these big big like uh blue chip projects. Uh but also like Every new chain is like instantly connected to other ones thanks to like protocols like AnySwap. Um, you know, Gnosis has been pretty good about deploying another chain. So it's pretty easy now to expand. And because it's now easier to expand, we've been expanding a lot to new chains. For developers in our audience who listen to us right now or in record, what's a breakdown of the technology and code stack you used? Yeah, I mean, it's not that complicated. I mean, I'm not a developer myself, um, but it's it's pretty pretty simple. Like each of our uh, vaults are NFTs. So whenever you take out a loan, you're basically like minting an NFT that holds your collateral and allows you to mint stable coins uh, from that NFT. Um, like altogether, I think we have like maybe six, seven functions uh, on each vault. Uh, and I mean, anybody could like go in and like look at it and it's pretty simple. Before you explained, uh, there is your next question raising. Uh, I'm sure listeners want to know more about how did you handle security in the product? How, sa- how safe is it? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that's like the biggest thing, right? Um, security, because you don't want to be hacked, because then people don't want to put money in your protocol. Uh, for us, I mean, we do a lot of testing. I mean, first of all, it's like the internal testing between the team. Uh, we do peer reviews of the, t- the code that we launch. Um, and then we do a lot of user testing before we actually launch it. Uh, in terms of audits, we've had, I think, like five, six audits already. Uh, three of them were uh, performed by Celsius, which is like a huge company, you know, $30 billion assets under management. Um, and they're now deploying capital in us. Um, we've gone through quite a few market downturns and our peg hasn't been hurt. Uh, we have never been hacked. Um, we had a little hiccup with Superfluid, but you know, that was in our contracts. Um, our contracts are com- like a pretty, like I said, pretty simple and they have not been exploited. Developing a product in DeFi means you have to be in close contact with a lot of people in the crypto community. Who are people or products that help you out and who would you like to highlight? Yeah, I mean, we work with everyone. I mean, and when I say everyone, I mean everyone. Think about being on 17 chains. Um, we've crossed paths with, I'd say, every single top 100 uh, DeFi app out there. Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, somebody, I mean, people I would highlight, of course, AnySwap, because <laughs> they make it possible for us to do our cross-chain expansion. It seems like really great idea, which should sell itself. Let's pretend we are in the so-called red team and consider some bad possible scenarios. What difficulties in onboarding and getting access for the new users do you see? Sorry, uh, I had some network issues. Can you repeat the question? Uh, the question is, uh, what difficulties in onboarding and getting access for the new users do you see in the future? Yeah, I think it's all about ease of use because our, our product is kind of complicated for somebody that's not very into crypto or very into finance. So making it easier for people to use is going to be the biggest hurdle. And how do you plan to overcome it? Yeah, I mean, we have an education committee and that's all community run and they do a lot of different like tutorials and guides on how to use our platform. Um, and it's like in nine languages. And then recently they've started to reach out to a lot of like YouTubers to make uh, video versions of their guides. And I think that's going to make it very easy to use our platform. Aside from that, we are working on a parallel UI that's going to be like really, really easy to use and eventually we'll migrate to that. Um, as you can imagine, that's a lot of work. So no, not too much alpha on that yet, but that's going to be pretty huge for us. Great. Is there any technical limitations for further product development? Um, limitations. I, I, I guess, uh, in what sense do you mean? Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, Twitter doesn't uh, feel good today. I think. Yeah. No, it's okay. Uh, no, it's just asking about like the the limitations on the code. I mean, all I can think of is you know we can't really touch people's money. Uh, everything's completely siloed, right? Between like collateral types and between users. Um, and so, you know, we don't control anybody's money. We can't invest it anywhere. Um, I mean, you can have interest-bearing collaterals by first investing it on other platforms, but uh, we can't touch it.
Okay, thank you. Can you elaborate more about your business model? Different ways you're yeah. able to make money. Yeah, we make money a couple of ways. Uh, principally, is our repayment fee. So whenever you repay your loan, uh, we charge you 0.5%. And that's going to be the same whether you hold the loan for like a day or you hold it for like 20 years, right? Uh, which is pretty, pretty handy, uh, for those that are doing long-term borrowing. Um, and, that, and that's a pretty good source of our, like pretty large source of our revenue. We'll just charge a 0.5% deposit fee for people in our farms. Uh, and then lastly, a big revenue maker for us is market operations. So we'll go into a lot of different like lending markets in different chains and we'll see the, you know, the borrowing side with a lot of our stable coin. And then people can borrow against the assets that are native to that chain, uh, at an interest rate. And that's, that's probably like at least 50% of our revenue today. Great. Let's talk about the market more broadly. Is there anyone who consider your direct competitors and how do you differentiate? Uh, I guess competition's a very, you know, it's a complex thing in crypto because I mean, you're competing with everybody because uh, at the end of the day, I mean, there are other CDP stable coins like MakerDAO, but they're not really on our, on the chains that we're on. I mean, Abracadabra was like one of the big ones before all that, uh, the drama happened. Um, but at the end of the day, we're really just competing for attention, right? Kind of like how social media, you have different applications that might be different, but they still compete with each other. Um, really we're competing for users' attentions and like them staying in our platform using it. Uh, and from that perspective, I think, you know, um, any any cross-chain application would be a competitor, right? Let's reframe this question. Uh, who do you consider your target market? Um, yeah, I think our target market would be the hodlers, right? People who either bought a lot of, like, a token or maybe, you know, decided to invest into one of those, like, passive investment strategies from, like, Beefy, from Yearn. People that are just holding that stuff. Um, because oftentimes, you know, uh, they have to pay for things, right? Like they, they want to keep as much of money as possible in crypto, but they still have to pay for their bills. I mean, those are the people we're really going after because, uh, with us, you'd never need to sell. You can always borrow against your interest bearing assets and use that to, you know, cover your expenses. Um, by either, you know, changing it to another stable and then off ramping or even taking advantage of some of the, Tools that we have, like Jewel Card, right, which is a Visa card on Phantom, in which you can spend my, like, directly uh, from Phantom. Sounds pretty handy. Can you tell us what are your goals for the future? Yeah, I think our, our biggest, like, pie-in-the-sky goal is for it to be very, very simple and very easy for anybody to use our platform. Because right now, I mean, if you're using a platform, you're probably, like, deep in the rabbit hole. You probably know a lot about crypto. Uh, you're very familiar with the different DeFi ecosystems, but um, eventually it should be as easy as when somebody gets into crypto and like tries out a DEX. It should be such as such uh, to uh, use our platform. Continuing being a red team, can you see any big roadblocks that lie ahead and not related to tech or users' education? Yeah, I think some roadblocks, of course, regulation um, is, is a big roadblock. Nobody really knows um, what's coming. I think a lot of a lot of governments are still thinking through what they're going to do to 
like safeguard the like you know the wealth of their citizens, right? Because there's a lot of like hacks and there's a lot of danger in crypto, and of course regulation is going to come in to help with that. Um, you know, we're in a bunch of jurisdictions, so it's uh I think that's going to be something to take a look at in the future. What's your position on the regulatory landscape today? What do regulators? Uh, what should they do to make everyone live, everyone's life easier? Man, <laughs> it's hard, right? I, I'm in DeFi because I don't like governments, right? Because I don't like the way that the current system works, and so naturally, I just want them to stay out of it. And I think market forces will be able to self-regulate crypto. Um, I don't think that we need governments to to protect users and I don't think that they should be regulating uh crypto because it's such an international thing. I mean nobody really has jurisdiction over it. Um but of course they're gonna come and I just hope that they're able to regulate in a fair way and in a way that allows crypto to still compete with traditional finance. What are your thoughts about the broad future for the DeFi market? Uh it's gonna be hard. I think it's gonna be We're gonna have to like maybe lower our standards of decentralization. I mean, in the future, people are not gonna have decentralized wallets. Probably, they're probably not gonna have ledgers, right? It's gonna have to be way easier for people to use in order for us to scale. But I, I think the the future is already written in stone. Like DeFi will be the future of finance, and everybody's gonna be using blockchain uh, to transact. And I just think it's a matter of time. Sounds great. Thank you for all these insights, but we would like to get to know you better. We believe that people invest in people, and that's why we ask our guests to spend some time on personal questions. We want to understand the values and how they influence your decisions. And uh, my first question is, uh, when you think of the word successful in crypto and DeFi, who's the first person who comes to mind and why? Wow, that's a, that's a tall order. I mean... One one person I think that definitely comes to mind is Sandeep from um, Polygon and Mikhail. Like, those people have really done a great job. Um, they may not have the TVL of other chains, but what they have is what counts, and that's users, right? They have more users than any chain, and I think they've just been able to create an ecosystem that's very friendly um, to retail, um, and uh, that's ultimately going to win long-term, right? So I, I really think that they... When I think success, definitely those two people come to mind. Thank you. Next question is uh, Peter Thiel's favorite. What is something you believe that other people think is insane? <laughs> When you say other people, I mean, if you think anything in DeFi is probably insane to most of the world, right? Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think one day we won't have banks, right? One day it will just be all these DeFi products. Um, And sometimes the CFI people, right, like Celsius, right, that are going to be the new banks. Um, yeah, and most people, I guess, outside of crypto will find that crazy. The crypto landscape is mosaic. Lots of people with uh, opposing opinions. What do you consider the worst advice you see or hear in DeFi? The worst advice? Oh, um, it's a good I think I think there's some, some pitfalls. I don't know if it's like the worst advice, but like a lot of people fall like bits into like narratives and allow like 
charlatans, so people that are good at marketing, to convince them um, to put their money in certain places where they shouldn't. Um, I think people should listen less to like Twitter accounts and should focus more on reading the docs of the um, of the protocols that they're using. Because usually, when people learn about like a project, let's just go to their Discord or Telegram or Twitter. Uh, you should really be going to their docs and you should really be going to their GitHub and seeing what actually is going on. Because otherwise, uh, you're going to be putting your money in something that you don't know what it is. Always do your own research. Right. I heard that there is life beyond decentralized finance. What obsessions do you explore on your free time, if you have any? Uh, I don't have a lot of free time <laughs> because I mostly focus on Chida. But, um, no, I, I've been looking a lot into, into gaming, into social media, and how it relates to crypto, of course. Um, and this idea of like retaining attention, because um, I think that's what's going to come next uh, for crypto, um, in terms of like the war against the regular internet, against what to, is how can we get now the attention of the masses? What topic would you speak about if you were asked to give a TED talk on something outside of your main area of expertise? Outside of my main area of expertise? Um, yeah, I'd probably talk something about like equality, access to access to resources, access to opportunities. That's something that you know I'm really passionate about. I mean, one of the main reasons I'm in crypto as well. Great topic. Everyone who builds in DeFi lives at a crazy pace without free time, and uh, it's challenging to stay in shape at that pace. The daily routine is very important to stay productive in the long run. Do you have any morning rituals? What do the first hour of your day look like? Um, I have to say that's something that I can include in, because I don't really spend a lot of time outside of crypto. Of My first hour of the day is usually eating. I see, you know, what has happened while they're sleeping. I, I read a lot about, you know, what are other people building. Um, yeah, just trying to intake as much information as I can in the morning. Our statistics says that uh, almost everyone from our guests has uh, the same morning rituals. Yeah. What would constitute not a morning but a perfect day for you? Okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm just uh, no drama, no crypto drama would be nice. <laughs> and then um, my users making money. I, I... But is it possible without drama? Can you hear me? Yep, clearly. Perfect. Okay, are you here? Yeah, I can hear you. Sorry. Uh, no problem. From perfect days, let's talk about perfect places. Is there some place in the world you have visited that you felt really had an impact on who you are today? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Is there some place in the world you have visited that you felt really had an impact on who you are today? Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Did you hear the question? Okay, it seems like Ben has some technical issues. He's trying to reconnect. 
Thank you for your patience. And, and hello again. Just a bit more time. Then it's connecting. And reconnecting again. Ben, can you hear me? Just a second, please. Inviting Ben to speak again. And inviting Ben to speak again. Yeah, finally! No problem. Okay, let's move on to our next question. What is the best or most worthwhile investment you have made? And it's not necessarily an investment of money. It could be time, manager, or any other resources. Oh, that's complicated. I mean, obviously, I'm going to say Chidao, right? <laughs> I think it's been the most rewarding thing I've done. Um, yeah. Great. Talking about impactful investments, let's turn to small everyday life things. What purchase under 100 bucks has brought you the most benefit and joy? <sighs> Some tool or gadget. Yeah. Probably. Actually, no, I mean, there's like this, uh, application called headspace it's like a meditation application it's like i think five dollars a year or something that's probably been the biggest value add uh under a hundred dollars yeah it's amazing proceeding with small everyday things that have an impact do you have the book uh you have given the most as a gift or recommend often uh i mean the Tao Te Ching is something that i really like um it's like the main book. Obviously. Yeah. Talking about books, do you have any quote with your life by or think about often? Like a code? A whole code or maybe just one quote? quote? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I don't, it's not like a single thing that, you know, that I think about, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess like succeeding as a group instead of succeeding as an individual, right? It's, it's, uh, one of my core principles. Sounds awesome. Next question is related a bit. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Oh man, a billboard. Um, I don't know. Probably something about crypto. <laughs> something about getting into crypto. I think everybody should, you know, get into crypto um, and reap the benefits. Let's dream a little. If you have a crystal ball and crystal ball could tell you the truth about the future or present, 
or anything else? What would you want to know? Uh, I don't think I would like to know. I like surprises, you know? I don't like to... There's nothing that I can... Yeah, I would like to get ahead of. Maybe, maybe uh, <laughs> probably ask for the price of PTC or something like that. Uh, that'd be fun to know. Yeah, certainly. Let's assume time travel is possible. What advice would you give to your five years younger self? Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean, I probably wouldn't have gone into banking. That's uh, something I would tell myself. Just 100% crypto all the time. So you consider your banking experience uh, as irrelevant to your your model? Besides, I, I learned a lot, but I I think you just learn way more in crypto. Great, interesting. Some people have lots of crazy things like skydiving, going to Antarctica, going into space. Is there something you have dreamed of doing for a long time? Oof. Um... I mean, I, I, anything I want to do, I kind of just do it. Um, I don't like to wait because you never know what happens, right? Um, but I guess I've always wanted to go to like the Himalayas. It's good, good thing. Nice. But I have for like a couple more questions. Yeah, and uh, there's just a couple more questions left. Perfect. Well, what in your life do you feel the most grateful? Um, just living in a peaceful place. You know, there's a lot of places in the world where, you know, you can't really focus on making a project or uh, doing other things because there's war and there's unrest, there's violence. So just happy that uh, I don't have to experience that stuff. Do you have any ask or request or advice for Orion? Some last parting words? Uh not really, I'm just make informed decisions. Don't let people tell you what to think. Awesome. And that was my last question. Thank you for coming on the show, Benjamin. It was great speaking with you. It's a pleasure. I wish you good luck in all future endeavors. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for joining in. It's a pleasure. And thanks to all our listeners as well. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. We are glad to have you here and wish you all the best in your life and career. To stay up to date on our latest episodes, please follow us on Twitter and Discord. If you are new to the show, we release a new episode every few days. Our next guest is expected to be Clayton from UMA. For those of you who are regular listeners, please share the show with those around you. We will be back soon with more insights from expert guests from across the world. Have a great day. See you next time. Bye, guys.